Welcome to a, another episode of the Roster Wars podcast. We are joined today by Matt, as always, and special guest is Blake of the Denver Demons. Welcome, Blake. How you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, thanks for being on. Glad to have a member of your conference on to uh, help finish this out um, for the initial four episodes, I guess, of a guest from each each conference. Um, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good. Just hanging in there, enjoying the summer. Excellent. So, Blake, I think today we will do a little rapid fire with you, a couple questions, uh, some NFL talk, and now that we are uh, past the contract deadline, um, thinking that we can maybe discuss the contracts that did get entered in uh, the Promising Prospects Conference and kind of get your thoughts around um, the, conf the contracts for your team as well as your thoughts on uh, your opponents. Um, so we will hop right in with uh, kind of a, a get to know you. Um, the, the main first question I think is, what made you choose your team name? Um, obviously, I'm a big Denver fan. Uh, kind of a spin-off of the XFL. I just wanted to stick with the alliteration and XFL. I had no allegiance to the XFL or anything like that. But um, it just had to be something Denver-related. You know, have to represent my team. So um, just kind of a little bit of Googling, all right, what would be some good options? And that one seemed perfect. Really, yeah, that's all there was, yeah. So we haven't really gotten a specific answer yet on on this one, so I'm hoping that you can help us out. But um, a favorite movie? Um, I'm not going to be a great answer for this one because I don't like to rewatch movies that much. Um, but I, I'm a fan of the, the mind-twisting films, The Sixth Sense, Inception. Um, I, I would probably say those are Inceptions. If I had to choose one, Inception would be the one I'd say. That's a good pick. Definitely a good pick. I actually, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the new post that came out. I think Craig started it on who would play you in a Roster Wars movie. And uh, yeah, my, my pick was Leo, so. I mean, we, we would all be so lucky to have him play us, but yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Just I would I would be bearded Leo though, not not Titanic Leo. Not twenty year old Leo. Yeah, yeah it's really young Leo. <laughs> yeah. A little more rough around the edge, the edges, Leo. Yeah. When my hair was a bit longer, I I mentioned it in the post, but Jack Black was a common comment that I would get, and sure. I, whatever. <laughs> I think you mentioned that, like, in your, like, Roster Wars intro post oh, on your owner's box. And I was reading through the comments, and, like, before you had a picture up, everybody was just posting, like, weird pictures of Jack Black. <laughs> I didn't realize that I had posted that this so far back, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's not so bad anymore. I don't know. The hair's a lot shorter than it was, so. Yeah, maybe just the beard, I guess. Yeah. He's got a band too what tenacious d <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah classic yeah uh how about a uh a favorite beer 
Um, I'd probably go with the one I'm drinking right now, which is Yingling out of Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a fan of the lagers, but I'll drink just about anything. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, for beer, that's definitely Yingling. I'm a gin guy. Um, and I drink way too many energy drinks, so that, that covers it. Well, I mean, that makes sense. You were uh, grad school and uh, with the bar exam and everything. What, uh, what's your goal for work now um, that you're done? Yeah, um, so, sorry? Um, Hopefully done with schooling. Hopefully done, yeah. I hope I never have to go back to another day of class. But um, so the market being it is what it is right now is kind of a mess. But um, hopefully personal injury law, civil litigation is my goal. Um, I'm really good at contracts, oddly enough, which I find boring. But um, it's attention to detail, I've noticed, is kind of my main sticking point. Um, and if all that doesn't work out, I mean, if it takes a little while for the market and everything to work out, I've still got my company that I can go back to and still keep doing some stuff there. And we've got some potential side projects spinning off of that even, um, which are probably about a year out, but I could start getting some headway there as well. So plenty of things going on. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. That's good news for, for the future for you. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, how about favorite football traditions? Um, I know you're, you're a college football fan as well as an NFL fan. Um, I guess maybe a perfect weekend rather than just a perfect Sunday for football for you. Um, wow. Yeah, I'd probably say I'm a bigger college football fan than I am pro football fan. Um, big, big Gamecocks fan, even though this last, you know, six, seven years have been every fan's worst nightmare. Their rival killing it and we suck every year. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I always enjoy going out tailgating. It just cannot be a noon game because Columbia, South Carolina, at 9 a.m. through noon, just pray that you never have to experience it. It is unbelievably hot and humid, and I've gotten sun poisoning at football games before. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, night game on Saturday and – my Broncos were supposed to come to Carolina and Atlanta this year, and I was finally going to get to see them personally in, like, in a stadium live. And now I've got COVID going on, and it's going to be another six years before I get to see them probably. <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah. always tough when, uh, you know, the local team doesn't consistently play the team that you like. Um, obviously, I have that issue too with with Green Bay and – and New England, but, you know, anytime they come to town, I, I like to be there, but the, yep. the tickets cost a pretty penny once you, uh, <laughs> once you want to go. So, um, yeah, I, I feel your pain. That would, that would definitely, uh, that would definitely suck if that was on the calendar this year and I would have to miss it. Yeah. There was a talk that I think one of their games might've been Jacksonville or, or somebody like that. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was supposed to play them in London. And immediately they moved that to care the to the local area, and I was like, I get to see my Broncos like two, three, maybe even four times this year. But you know, oh well. Um, I've only actually been to one professional football game, and that was a Carolina Panthers game against Tampa Bay, I believe it was. Okay. Um, that was 
the year after we beat Carolina in the Super Bowl. So they were still really good. Cam Newton was there. Um, Tampa Bay wasn't as good, but it, it was a solid game. Um, the pro atmosphere is way different than college. and Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it was fun. Matt, have you been to any college games? I know you had said you hadn't been to an NFL game yet. Um, do you do you go to any college games? I have never been. I've been to one college football game at Temple, um, but I have a sister who goes to University of South Carolina, so I'm very familiar with Columbia on a Saturday and just not wanting to be outside during the hours of 9 a.m. to like 3 or 4 p.m. Um, but it gets really nice at night, though, even if it's really humid still. Um, but I've never made it to a game yet, but it's, it's a cool atmosphere. Yeah, anytime that uh, once COVID starts dying down, let me know. <laughs> I've got season tickets, so. Yeah, I'd love to come out there. I've been, I've been meaning to do like a tour. I got a couple friends at Clemson. Um, so hit all the schools, even though I'm still rooting for South Carolina. Yeah. Not a Clemson fan at all. Uh, yeah, we won't get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just gone to uh, Badger games, you know, obviously at the D1 level. I, I've been to Camp Randall many times, um, seen some, some great games there. Um, obviously a great college town, Madison. Um, doesn't get nearly as hot as Columbia in October, November. So it's the beer in the morning actually wakes you up and, and helps you out rather than dehydrates you and makes the sun worse to deal with. But um, it's definitely a party down there. Starts early. Um, I mean, you know, you walk towards the stadium and you already see people passed out at, at 11 a.m. They couldn't even make it. So um, definitely an experience. So if you get the chance, Matt, you should definitely um, – check out some D1 games, especially at, at big big college towns. Um, definitely yeah. worth it for the day. I do. I'm lucky enough living in Texas now that I get some very good high school football. Sure. Um, Those are so basically I've, college campuses. Oh, I've been to some Permian games already. Um, I'm trying to get up north a little bit more to get some of the bigger stadiums, but it's, it's a really cool atmosphere. It's like being in high school over again, but with like an actually good football team. So. Sure, sure. And a lot of those kids actually go on to D1 schools. So you are seeing, you know, young college-level talent. You know, it's just before they get to the college level, obviously, and, and get the college coaching. And But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that a ton of scouts are at those games. And, you know, I, I go to high school games around here, and, and it's a fun atmosphere, but Obviously, Wisconsin recruits aren't Texas recruits. You know, we get we get the offensive linemen that go to UW, and that's that's about it. <laughs> you guys have some nice offensive linemen up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but they typically will get their skill positions from Florida. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it it is what it is. But yeah, it's there's there's good blocking at the high school level, and that's about it. Yeah, and if you get really into it, those uh, uh, campus to Canton leagues where you start drafting the freshmen coming in, it's fun to go see their high school games and kind of get an eye before you end up drafting them in, in college. Sure. The hard part with high school highlights that I always struggle with 
is how good is the competition? Like, yeah, this guy's blowing them away, but like, is this just some farm team that they're playing week one? Like who are these other kids? So you really almost have to find kids that play on the national level, like on ranked teams, because then, you know, at least the competition is there, you know, there may be some weak spots in the defense or something, but at least, you know, that's a a nationally ranked team that has solid coaching and, and should be putting out solid players. But, it's definitely difficult to watch some of those highlights, you know, even for example, um, you know, the Patriots drafted Kyle Duggar D2 safety and he, you know, he just blows all these guys away on special teams and um, he's all over the field on defense, but what's the competition level on the other side of the ball. So definitely something to take into consideration when you watch those, but there, there are definitely highlights where we're, you see players that are just a man among boys. Yeah, but it really pays off when you get to see guys like Darius Leonard at South Carolina State, who's 20 minutes from here in Columbia, and got to see two or three of his college games. And it was like, okay, like, got to get him in all my leagues. Like, he's actually good. And no, not many people have actually seen that. Um, so, sure. it, so it, it, it can pay off big time. Is there a reason that he wasn't heavily recruited, that he went to SC State? He was from a tiny little high school that nobody bothered looking at. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, my rapid fire. See if we can generate some conversations out of Blake. Uh, see if these spark any memories, uh, any any stories. Um, mm. And sticking with the theme, they will all be. Um, compound phrases, I guess, that fall in line with PP, so. Looking forward to it. I, I started watching the other ones, and I was thinking of things this could be, and I can't think of I'm many, sure so. You, you <laughs> thought of some of these, but maybe I have some ones that'll, that'll uh, surprise you. All right. All right, let's start with protein powder. Oh, God, high school. Um, I was... Yeah, just you drank so much of it. It was disgusting. It was, I think I used whey protein. Ugh. I just can't get, no, no, thank you. Um, I didn't even find it that useful. I don't understand the point. <laughs> Dude, I love protein powder. Just, just to interject there, don't hate on protein powder too much. It's like a free flavoring for like all of your meals. Oatmeal, now it tastes like chocolate oatmeal. You want to, <laughs> Eat, I can drink mid chocolate chip like milkshakes. It's great. Uh, so you're not drinking real chocolate milk. You're putting milk with protein powder that's chocolate flavored or what? Yeah, yeah. I don't drink real chocolate milk. I can't. There's too much lactose. So I, I drink chocolate protein powder, almond milk. Yeah, very fancy. Oh, man. Interesting. <laughs> I must have been getting the wrong stuff because it all tasted horrible. Oh, I mean, God. it gets better every year. And it tastes better and it's cleaner. And I don't know. I love it. I have it like two or three times a day. The it's almond milk? a little too much. Uh, protein powder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My wife drinks uh, almond milk. I call it nut juice. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Um, I barely ever used it. It just was like stock. Um, everybody always used 
in high school and in college, it was always everybody used the same word art on every single slide. <laughs> it was like nobody had an original thought at all. Um, yeah, PowerPoint, not, not a big fan. It's been a long time since I've looked at it. Um, I actually taught one class, though, during law school um, to Allen University, which is a smaller school near us, on um, the new CBA that the NFL was proposing at the time um, on their use of wearable technology. So I had to use PowerPoint to teach that class. It was interesting. Very cool. Matt, you use PowerPoint? Uh, now that I'm graduated and working in the uh, refinery, I will not be seeing PowerPoint in my future. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, not, not many office meetings where that's going to happen? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no office meetings. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> so I, I recall when I was a senior in high school, I took um, Bio 2, and I did a PowerPoint project on um, STDs. And um, each slide that I had, the title, I used like common commercial phrases, but then threw in um, basically what that slide would be talking about in regard to syphilis. So my PowerPoint was on syphilis. So I think it was like, um, like treatment, for example, a treatment slide. I would take Sears commercial and instead of come see the softer side of Sears, I did come see the softer side of syphilis. So, you know, it was, it was treatable. So it was a softer side. Um, I think like the reaction slide, I did snap crackle syphilis. <laughs> so I, I just had a bunch of them. I don't, I re remember all of them, but those are ones that, uh, that definitely have stayed with me. I, I don't know why, but I think that would stay with a lot of people. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was the level of my creativity with PowerPoint was just the titling. Yeah, that's fairly creative. <laughs> yeah. Now I know people come to this podcast solely for the contracts, but like, if anybody wants to see this PowerPoint, we can upload attachments to our podcast uploads. So, Haji, feel free to send this out. And I'm going down a rabbit hole to try and find that. I mean, it's been a while since I was in high school, but um, it, it may be something that I, I could find. But You got it on a floppy disk somewhere? Or did they I'm have pretty USB? sure it was on a thumb drive. I, I, I think I was <laughs> past the, the floppies at that point. But um, if I recall, There's it was a blue thumb drive. There was a while it was CDs in between there, though, so. Yeah. Make sure it's not one of those. Yeah. Probably all scratched up at this point, if it was. All right, the next one I have is a painting party. Painting party. That doesn't really bring anything to mind. I know they do those, like, um, wine and draw classes or whatever that mm -hmm. wives and women go to. I don't I've yep. never been. <laughs> no, not your cup. Um, no, not, I, I can't draw anything. Uh, stick figures look bad. It's, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, powder puff. Powder puff. Football. High school football. All the girls playing. Yep. Um, I was a coach all three years of high school. Um, yeah, there was, 
it was more flirting than anything. That's all I remember. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we always had, you know, the one or two that took it way too seriously mm-hmm. and were actually playing like offensive linemen. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was fun times, but, you know, it was mostly just flirting with high school girls. So <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, porta potty. Porta potty. I'm going college football games here. Um, hot, stinky, uh, not pleasant. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're way too common in South Carolina. It's disgusting. I've never been a fan of those, but college football, you know, there's always 20 of them lined up. So, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yep. <laughs> um, private parts. Right. <laughs> have y'all seen um all right i admit it i have a tiktok <laughs> um and uh it's um like game streams and there's that one character it's like no no don't touch me there this is my no no square <laughs> have y'all seen that i'll have to post a link to that it's fucking hilarious but um that's yeah that's the first thing that came to mind was don't touch me there it's my no no square okay <laughs> uh poly pocket pocket um i figure my little sister probably had one of those but uh pink uh, little i don't know not much really comes to mind on that one okay that's fair uh pedal pushers pedal pushers aren't those the um there's probably a different name for them but the liquor carts that you just ride on and you or the beer carts that you just ride on and down the street. Is that what the name of those are? Or is that like a pedotaxi or something? Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Like in Nashville, they have those. Or um, it's like eight people sitting around the outside, and there's a guy in the middle that pours beer, and you just sit there and pedal down the street. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called, though. Is that not what that is? Uh, I have no um, idea. Yeah, it looks – Googling, it's, it looks like they're just called party bikes. Okay. Party porch instead of pedal pusher. I don't know. Hmm. They're fun. Pedal tavern. <laughs> eh. the pedal pubs. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's always fun. See, I'm learning stuff. <laughs> Rapid fire works. Nashville gets crazy with those. All the little uh, bridesmaids and everything. Sure. They're a fun time. When I was in Nashville, it was that. And sometimes, like, they just gave up on the bike part, and they just had, like, a hot tub. And they are just, like, sitting in a hot tub with, like, 20 girls and just riding down, like, Main Street of Nashville. Just riding and getting the view on the way down the street. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I'd be surprised if, like, half of them, like, weren't even part of, like, the bridal party, and they just, like, picked them up off the street. <laughs> Showing up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. How about uh, Peppa Pig? Peppa Pig. Um, so the drawings of those things where he has like two eyes on one side and then he turn its head straight and there's four eyes and it's a giant alien. <laughs> um, I've never seen the show, but so yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind is that front facing alien looking thing. <laughs> my my kids enjoy the memes that they make out of that show. I usually hear them laughing at Peppa Pig memes. Are, are they still hiding the really inappropriate comments in kids' shows nowadays? Is that still a thing? 
Uh, yes, I think so. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> um, Philadelphia Phillies. Um, not really a baseball team I care much for. Um, I don't really watch them much, to be honest. I think Matt no. might be a Phillies fan. Yeah? Yeah, but I don't blame you for not watching them. They're, they're really annoying to watch. <laughs> I was struggling to think of even a player that's on there right now. Do you watch baseball? Are you a Rockies fan? I'm a Yankees fan, but, oh, okay. like, it's it's my third sport, fourth sport, if you count college and pro football is different. Like, um, I think yeah. Harper's there now. Bryce Harper's a Philly now. Bryce oh, Harper. that's where he went. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it goes college football, pro football, Denver Nuggets, and then my Yankees. And, Denver Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> They're a fun team nowadays. I yeah. just, you know. I had to attach to them because of uh, the Broncos. Was, you know, I had to attach to another team there because it felt weird picking teams from all over the country. But didn't want to follow your New York and follow the Knicks. Uh, no, no. The um, the reason I follow the Yankees is obviously they were really good. You know, during the that thousand stretch. But the person that I learned baseball from was a big Yankees fan. Um, so. Whenever I was just learning, that was the, always the game that was on. And that's who I just um, – but, I mean, I didn't honestly care about baseball until the end of high school. Um, I was too devoted to football and didn't care much about it. So, I missed most of the good years. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, well, they're good again this year. They're probably going to win it all. I don't know if Javi yeah. has any thoughts on that. but I mean, It's possible. It's such a crazy season. I think – you know, it depends on who stays healthy. And, you know, last year they were so injured. I think they led the league in number of players on, on the injured list, uh, number of times players on the injured list and, like, missing days on the injured list. I think they led the league in all of that. So, you know, if you can't stay healthy, you're not putting your best players out there. It's it's tough to win. But um, even with all that, they they were pretty close yet last year. So, um, yeah. I, I would agree they're probably a favorite. So moving with the Phillies, we can tie that in with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, not much there. Andrew McCutcheon, that one's a faster one to come to mind. He's not he's there anymore. He's actually a Philly now. He's actually a oh, Philly, he's, so he's Philly. full circle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was a McCutcheon fan when he was there. I, I briefly did uh, Dynasty Baseball before I realized I didn't know enough to make this actually happen. <laughs> um, but um, McCutcheon was a guy I had there, and there was a young pitcher. And Josh Bell, I had him in the minor leagues before he made before he got the call up. Um, I had a few Pirates on the team, so I remember them more than I did the Phillies. But they had a uh, they had Garrett Cole at one point. Yep, traded yep. that away. <laughs> yep, I'm very thankful for that. Um, today, tomorrow, forever. As uh, as he said at his press conference when he was introduced. Yeah, but um, they have an interesting baseball park there too, don't they? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It feels very, like, it, it's not small. I don't think it's the smallest. Maybe it's one of the smaller ones, but it feels very, like, cozy. I don't know how to describe Is it. Is it PNC? PNC Park? Yeah. Yeah, PNC. Yeah. It's That's right a, on the water. Beautiful. Right? What's that? Is that a newer one? Did they, didn't they play at, like, Three Rivers Stadium or something like that? 
Yeah, they played at Forbes and then Three Rivers, I think. I don't know if that was the same stadium, just renamed. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, PNC's it's newer, but I don't think it's new. Yeah, uh, yeah, not compared to some other actual new ones. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it's really nice. I, I love it. it's in like a great area. Like it's a it's a pretty cool park. It's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, moving sports, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Sidney Crosby, juggernaut. Uh, I I didn't even care that. I, I, technically, I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan. Um, again, I learned hockey from a New York fan, so I guess there's my connection to the state of New York with another team. Um, I remember we went to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost to the Carolina Hurricanes in like 2006, and. Then they introduced the salary cap, and we got gutted. Um, so I don't uh, – since then, we've sucked, and I haven't kept a whole lot of attention to hockey. But I know that Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh, um, and the, the Pittsburgh team, um, they just have – they were dominant for a while there. And I guess I hate them because of that, but I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Penguins fan at all. As a Flyers fan, I hate the Penguins. So just want to go on record saying that. And my girlfriend's a huge Penguins fan, so that also just adds to the rivalry. Oh, that's a fun house. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, rivalry's always fun. All right, so a, a league you're familiar with, Philadelphia Pigskins. Uh, um, what's the first word that comes to mind? Um, he's just super active um i don't deal with his team so i don't know much about his trades or ever really have any one-on-one -on -one conversations with him um but he's always been a pretty cool guy that i've interacted with and he, i know he's one of our most active guys um and he's put that uh, recent article together that i'm hoping somebody from the major league will jump on and help out with an IDP ranking, so I can help out with that. But, um, yeah, cool dude. Yeah, yep. He's a, he's a rival of, of Matt and a rival of, of myself, I guess, if I can call my matchups with him a rival. Um, yeah. I've been owned a little bit by him, but maybe that'll change. Um, I, I was just going to say I met – for as much crap that I give the pigskins on the forums because I don't like playing his team and I feel like he makes like a lot of good decisions, which are really annoying. Um, I met Matt in person during one of the meetups and he's actually a really cool guy. So, And now he has his son Lincoln, so it's great to hear. And he's from Philly, so what's not to like? <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good guy. But um, Does he give oh, off the typical on. Philadelphia vibe? Uh, actually, not really. Um, when we were at our meetup, there were probably six or seven guys there. So, you know, there were a couple of really loud guys. So I don't think he was talking too much and he kind of had to go somewhere. But I, I wouldn't say he gets off the Philly vibe at all. Even <laughs> though he is like a – I think he's a school teacher in the Philadelphia school district. Um, yeah. I'm not sure where, which usually typically leads to very Philly type of people. Um, but maybe I just don't know well enough yet. Yeah. I don't remember what subject he teaches either. That might lend itself to that as well. I, I think he's more of a, a 
higher level position. I think he, he helps the teachers rather than teaches anything right now. I think you're right. I think he said at one point he was like developing like academic lesson plans or something, yeah. which would indicate he's some sort of like not a teacher, but above Leader, the teacher. Leadership position, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, Blake, promising prospects. Uh, challenging. Um, it's, it's challenging because everybody knows what they're doing. Um, I mean, we, we get talked on a lot for uh, not being the most active traders or most active in the, in the boards and everything. But if you send an email out to anybody pretty much in this league, like they'll get back to you pretty quickly. Um, I, I really appreciate that about everybody over here. They know what they're doing. They have a plan generally. Um, whether or not they stick to that plan is another question. But um, uh, it, yeah, it's a real challenge because – with some teams, you can do a rebuild and be back in a year, two years maybe, but that's that's not an option here. Um, there's a, I mean, there's definitely people that push the trades in the league. Uh, they'll send out trade offers to the entire division and, or entire conference, and then there's guys that are just, you know, one-on-one. But, um, yeah, the, the private one-on-one conversations through emails, I, mean, I think this, this – uh, conference is pretty active there um it just doesn't show up as much in the message boards for some reason sure that's good that's good um is there anybody in the conference that maybe doesn't get the uh, accolades as a a top fantasy football owner in your conference that you think um deserves it anyone that stands out in your mind that you know maybe their their team hasn't quite shown up yet um you know record wise which um i know that's not all roster wars is about but you know obviously when it comes down to the matchups and building a a great team um sometimes that doesn't uh it doesn't always work out the way that it should based on their teams and and how tough they are is there is there an owner that that you feel hasn't gotten the, the love in roster wars that that they deserve based on some bad luck, but, you know, they're a great manager. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Jason. Uh, he came in and immediately was like, all the young guys, all the rookies, and his team is now getting to that point where it's a little scary at sometimes. Um, he, I mean, he's definitely missed on guys as well, but his team's finally getting to that upper echelon. And, um, yeah, for, you know, most of the time that we've been in Russell Wars, he's been just below average or barely at average, and he's getting to that point where for the next two or three years we're going to have to deal with him. Um, Bob's also great of the Haddonfield Slashers. Um, he's really ramping up for, like, a, a little push here. Um, I, I think he's generally had a pretty good idea. I can go ahead and tell you all right now that Brian's going to be a, a tough one. Um, he's going to be a, a force in this league. Uh, all of our conversations we've had so far, I mean, I've had more conversations with him since he joined this league than I've had with probably seven or eight other owners in the last five months. Um, he's very quickly, very active, and he, he knows what he's doing. Um, Keith also does a pretty good job, I think. Uh, his quarterback groom's a mess right now. We'll get to that later, but <laughs> he he's um 
he's been consistently a guy that like I don't keep a ton of attention on his roster just because we don't really cross paths that much. Um, but he every single time he does cross my path, it's like, great. How did that happen? How did? Why is your team so good all of a sudden? Um, so, and then everybody knows Carla, obviously, and, and Sam. Um, but they deserve all the respect that they get here. Um, and I guess Frankie's team, we'll talk about that one later, but I, I, I really like where he is sitting right now. Um, and I don't think anybody ever really talks about him. Sure. Nope. That, that sounds good. Um, yeah, a lot of good information there. Uh, a lot of good owners that you mentioned, obviously, as well, um, that definitely helped contribute to a, a solid minor league system that we have here. All right, Blake. So one thing that I would like to do uh, with you as a guest is hop into a little bit of NFL talk. Um, not a whole lot of news. Uh, we're right in the middle of um, players opting out. Uh, I know... Based on what I read today, I think there's some conversations going on when that opt-out deadline will be. Will it be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Nobody really knows right now. Um, we did see a couple of players that we would assume to contribute in roster wars already opt out in Damian Williams, C.J. Mosley. Um, others, probably not much of contributors at this point, um, but... I think one thing um, with the opt-outs, the lack of preseason, uh, the lack of real training camp contact, um, I guess I'd like to kind of pick your brain and um, Matt, if you can kind of dive in as well and um, let us know your thoughts. How is this going to affect uh, rookies um, and mainly not just rookies, but all players in timeshares. Um, you know, that you have quarterback competitions everywhere. You have running back competitions everywhere. You have slot receiver competitions everywhere. Um, you have solid players that have switched teams. Um, I guess, what do you think the effects will be come week one on, on some of these? Do do the incumbent players just automatically start week one? Do you see any um, surprises where um, a rookie or uh, a younger player maybe not expected to win the job wins an outright job with no preseason? Um, I guess if you guys can, can kind of talk about your expectations um, on a different August than what we usually expect. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously you start with quarterbacks, and I think that's the easiest position to say. It's going to slow down their learning curve massively. Luckily, Tua's supposedly back from his injury, and it's not going to be an issue. But you still have to learn a playbook and get in rhythm and everything. And your, your three, five, seven-step drops and all that kind of stuff are not really sevens anymore. But, um, I, I mean, Fitzpatrick's going to have a clear advantage there. And it, it's most obvious in quarterbacks where I think only Joe Burrow really has a chance of starting in the first – four or five weeks barring injury. Um, e even in a situation where Tyrod Taylor versus Justin Herbert, where I don't really think Tyrod's that great of a quarterback, and Herbert should have an advantage if this was a normal full-length season, 
he might play the second half of the season, maybe, hopefully. Um, I think quarterback's the most obvious place to see that. Um, but then even past that, like, going, I'm just going through our uh, promising prospects rookie draft and my first set of headphones is dying. Um, and our, our sixth guy, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, that's a running back group, and the talent's obviously there. Um, but pass protection and those kind of things, they're going to come slower to a running back. And whereas he could immediately have been a larger part of the timeshare starting off with the regular season, I'm not sure how much he's going to see immediately because of Mark Ingram being there. And there's already a solid running back um, and several other capable third down running backs and things like that behind him. So it's not just quarterbacks. It's, it's smaller things like J.K. Dobbins and – it becomes really obvious when you start looking at middle linebackers or let's say a guy like Willie Gay for the Chiefs, um, Malik Harrison for Baltimore. The talent's there that they might be the best option for a starting linebacker. And you, you can't just step into a linebacker role day one generally. Um, so those kind of guys, it's going to be really interesting. They're not being any kind of preseason at all. Um, that some of them should be day one starters, and we're going to have to remember that going through the season of just because they're not the starter on day one does not mean they're not the best position and they're not the best player. Um, you, you kind of have to factor in the training camp is happening on the field live um, and, and the decision impact that that's going to make on coaches as well. Yeah, so Matt, um, I guess you're kind of a proponent of the smaller rosters. Um but what about teams who may have gone really heavy with draft picks this year, um, but may not have that depth to carry them through that first half of the season um, because their rookies aren't seeing the field yet, still kind of uh, getting their feet under them with the playbook or um, just some chemistry with their quarterback or offensive line or their receivers. Um, I guess, how do you think that could affect roster war strategy yeah I mean it, there's a lot of interesting angles you could take this I mean the immediate thing that comes to mind is anyone who drafted a lot of rookies this year is in really good shape because while Blake just said the obvious right these rookies probably won't play as quickly as they normally would that's almost what you want to have if you're rebuilding your roster wars team right you don't want all of your rookies to go off right away because the rest of your roster isn't rounded out yet and you, you don't have a full team to make a championship run. So you almost it's almost a benefit having these rookies kind of get delayed a year. Maybe you put them on your taxi squad. Um, maybe you just kind of you know let them operate behind the scenes for a little bit. Get another round of draft picks next year. Your team finishes bad again. You get another round of really great draft picks. And now you have two years worth of rookie classes. Um, and hopefully by then we'll have a normal season and everything like that. Um, so if you're in rebuilding mode, I think you're in great shape. If you normally carry 50 million players on your roster, like Silverbacks, Matt, you're in great shape because, uh, I mean, we see it with baseball. I think players are going to kind of start going down left and right with COVID and with other, you know, sicknesses related to this illness. So anyone with depth, anyone who drafted a lot of rookies, um, I think from a team building standpoint, the team health is in great shape, you know, from a dynasty perspective, you know, maybe if you have a lot of rookies this year, you're not going to compete in 2020. Um, but, you know, just from a, a dynasty perspective, I think they're, they're really looking good for the next couple of years. So is the assumption that 
these teams really won't be good in 2020. I mean, can if you did invest in um, a lot of rookies, you know, say maybe you have three rookie running backs, three or four rookie receivers, and maybe you invested in um, a second round quarterback, you know, one of the further ones down, maybe a Herbert or um, maybe an Eason or, or whatever. And obviously those guys aren't projected to play right away anyway, but can you have any expectations for success with your team in 2020 if the rookies won't be seeing the field for, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, potentially four, six, eight, ten weeks, or is it, are, are we, is the expectation really to just chalk it up as, as a lost year? And is there anything that you can do as an owner to um, help with that? Is there any moves that you would make to lock up uh, future success due to kind of going into 2020 already seeing it as a lost year? Yeah, and I think I think Blake's actually in good shape to answer this question because he's the one who took a bunch of really high draft picks over at PP. Um, but what I will say is I think it's one of the situations, you know, if the assumption is that the rookies are not going to start right away, even if they should, right, you know, the Jonathan Taylors, the Justin Jeffersons, those type of players, if they're going to start later in the season, then you're going to lose a lot of games in roster wars earlier in the season which isn't really putting you in like a, a buy now mode at the deadline. So you have a lot of factors working against you, right? You know, you, you'd almost have to buy now and just pray and hope that not only will your players stay healthy, but that they're going to start contributing like how you imagine they should, um, you know, for the rookies. Um, so, so I would personally, if I was in that situation, I would just chalk it up as a lost year try to taxi squad as many players as possible and then go into next season revamped. But I'm interested to hear what Blake has to say. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a decent spot at the midpoint of the season and your rookies still haven't done, like, you're going to be in a great spot. Um, you, you could sneak in as that sixth seed and upset your way deep into the playoffs very quickly. Um, so, again, you just have to keep everything in context. But let's say, for instance, like, I mean, there, there's some teams like uh, Keith with the Falcons, Cyclone City Falcons, where he's got four guys in the top 21. I mean, and he's already a solid team. Um, I, I mean, it, it's really not a, a decision you can just make on a, on a unilateral basis of how to handle it, um, as with anything. But, yeah, just the COVID list, like keeping an eye on who's getting in and out and when they're going to be in and out, that's going to be – everything and um you have to watch every single week this season i think just to really have a chance of knowing what's going to happen um to know which backup to pick up for those two weeks that are in an important stretch uh, it, that's gonna that's gonna completely change um the playoffs if it gets to that point if we can actually have the playoffs is who's been paying attention and who sees okay that's the backup to get not that other guy and that can be the difference of a, a three-seat sneaking past or a, or a five-seat sneaking past is just knowing which backup to pick up because you can't possibly have them all with the way that – with a salary um, – with a contract cap league, you can't possibly have them all. So you're going to have to be adjusting on the fly every single week of the season pretty much. Do you guys see um, 
teams that are buying, let's say it's around week 10, and you have, you know, your your eight and two teams, they know they're probably in, they're going to try and make a run at this. Do you see them selling rookies to these teams that are already heavily invested in rookies to where um, these rebuilding teams who are chalking up 2020 as a lost year, will they be able to move, you know, 30, 32-year-old players for 2020 drafted players already rather than 2021 picks will we not have enough information as we typically do on these rookies where it's easier to buy them as a selling your veterans team or is it going to be more difficult uh, for those trade line trade deadline moves um, between the buying and selling teams I think uh, just like what always happens, people become impatient and they're expecting their rookies to immediately step in and produce. And we're going to have a couple of teams that are sitting there at five and three and are like, maybe I should go for it and sell this rookie off because he's not doing it for me yet. Um, I, I think those are going to be the teams that need to watch their back and that I'm going to personally be looking for to trade with. Um, it is those teams that are just on that maybe bubble and the rookies haven't quite done it yet, but are, are giving up just a little too early. Um, I don't think other than that, though, I, everybody in this league is pretty smart and understands where we are. Like, I don't think you're going to get one over on somebody like that necessarily. You're going to have to just take advantage of the position they're in. Sure. Yep. And I, I just think it it creates a, a different type of scenario, you know, when you don't have all the information that you typically do um, I, I just feel like I feel like certain aspects in August really give us an intro of what to expect in those late season runs. I mean, I think we all pretty much understand that rookie tight ends rarely hit. I think we all understand that rookie receivers don't hit until the second half of the year. And I mm -hmm. think we all understand that if a running back is not taken in the first round, Typically, they don't pick up the bulk of the carries until there's an injury to the to the stud running back who's already there. Without August, without an injury to a running back, I just feel like that extra info that we might have could be there. But then I also can understand that a lot of top rookies don't always get reps in preseason because you don't want them to get hurt. But I think what we don't see in training camp on film is a lot of work that those guys get off to the side, a lot of chemistry that they're building with teammates. Um, first round picks, man, they get a lot of money when they sign. You know, you want to make some friends, you know, get those offensive linemen some Rolex right away. You know, they'll block for you then. But I just, I don't know if, that camaraderie is going to happen this year with just how weird and wacky it is. And um, I do feel like we're seeing that a little bit in baseball where a lot of these stud minor league guys aren't getting the early chance. I know baseball is a little weird because it has to do with um, contracts and um, their, their service time, but, you know, now we're into August, and 
typically we start seeing some of these minor league guys who could produce at the top level next season. And we're not seeing that to this point. So is that something that, that football may fall in line with and it'll be similar? I, I want to say yes, but like guys keep coming to mind. The first one that sticks out of my head is Philip Lindsay. Obviously I'm a Broncos fan. He's going to stick out of my head, but those kind of guys that if you have the talent, you're going to see the reps anyways. Um, Crumb Bartery is going to be a little slower, but I mean, before the first preseason game of Philip Lindsay's rookie year, there were already reports coming out that Royce Freeman had locked down the job. I mean, there weren't a lot of reports because everybody just assumed. And, um, but I, I think if the talent's there, it won't slow them down. The camaraderie will be an issue and learning the playbook is the issue. But if the talent's there for most positions, I don't think there will be a slowdown on the rookie curve other than in the playbook. Yeah, I can buy that. I mean, you know, patience will be a virtue this year. And then, um, you know, typically we see talent wins out. So um, I think it's just going to be, you're going to have to really hold. And if you do become a buyer, um, you're, you're going to have to make some tough decisions maybe on um, who to hold, when to hold. Um, and as, you know, as a seller, I think you you'll really have opportunities this year to um, make some savvy moves um, just because the, the situation will call for it where typically it doesn't. Um, and I just see it more as I think bottom line is I see it more as 2020 drafted players potentially falling into the spots where we would normally see maybe a 2021 pick. Um, as a, as a traded asset. Um, but I mean, I could be wrong. We might see veterans moved at the deadline and in RW and we just see, um, you know, future picks moved rather than young players. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I, I would think the opposite. I would think people are going to move their veterans and keep their rookies. Um, vet people always move in veterans when they're trying to sell now, right? That's obvious. Um, but the rookies, like you said, it's going to be a hold type of season, um, especially if they're not coming on strong early in the season. You're just going to want to hold these guys. And I, I just think the owners in roster wars are too smart to give up on, on a rookie asset like that too early. Um, if anything, you see how people get attached to the rookies, right? The pick loses value the second you make it because all of a sudden that pick goes from, you know, hey, I can take anybody on the board to, oh, you drafted that guy? I didn't even want that guy anyway. You know, there's only two or three owners out there who are actually, like, sad that they didn't get that guy. The other nine are just, ah, that guy's a piece of crap anyway. He's not talented. Mm -hmm. um, so people drafted their rookies because they have the highest valuation of them out of anybody else in the conference, which means, you know, after week eight, week nine, whatever, if these guys aren't producing – you know, they're still going to have the highest valuation, even if everybody's kind of soured a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lack of rookies moved. Um, and with the lack of a college season, who knows what these 21, 21 picks are even going to be worth. Um, so that'll be good, interesting to see. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, why don't we move into uh, some contract talk? Um, 
Blake, obviously I'd like to start with your team. Um, Matt, if you could share your screen for the, the video viewers to be able to follow along. Um, and Blake, I guess if, if uh, you just kind of want to walk us through, um, you know, some of the decisions you made, um, if any decisions were, were tough for you, um, I guess just kind of your, your strategy um, with the contract deadline. Okay. Um, well, start with QBs up here, Joe Burrow. Um, obviously, I, I'm a huge believer in his talent, even though it was just one year. But being that second overall pick, you got to go big or go home on those. Um, for most of the first-round picks, you got to go kind of big on them, even if you're not 100% in. But um, I struggled so much in this last year. I had to go in with a quarterback. And hopefully Joe Burrow doesn't kill me for that. But, uh, yeah. And then Jared Goff, he's tied with the Rams for so long with that contract. They just don't have an option. Um Unless they draft a rookie towards the end of it, I, I think five years is reasonable because that's just he's pretty much guaranteed to be a starter. I don't know if he'll be a good starter for that long, but at least he'll be a starter. Um, I had a lot of issue with the receiving core, Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, just because I wanted to stack them in some way that if they all hit by some miracle, then I'm not sitting here with all of them and expiring in the same year and no way possible to hold on to them. Um, so I went with the NFL first round pick and his, his fifth year NFL contract, getting that extra year. And, um, that ties over with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, also a first round draft pick, his, his fifth year. Um, I, I believe in all of these guys or else I wouldn't have drafted them in the first 14 picks. But I, I think this gives me the best chance to hold them potentially beyond their first contract with me. Um, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's a running back, so you don't want to give him too much anyways, but you also don't want to sell too soon. So I think five years matching the NFL contract, I think that's perfect. Um, for the most part, everybody else other than Jamal Adams, I, I generally try to look at their real-life NFL contracts and try to mirror it up as well as I can. Um, I'm going to have a rough year next year trying to figure out how to maintain Michael Gallup, Darren Waller, DeForest Buckner, and um, there's a safety, Justin Simmons. I have a hard time trying to figure out how to make all those guys stick after next year. But um, Kyle Rudolph, I still believe in him. If Justin Jefferson takes too long to develop, then he's going to have – there's enough targets there. I mean, he, he won't be a great tight end, but he'll be good enough. And Deron Payne, I think he's somehow underrated. Um He's a top 10 defensive tackle in this league, in my opinion. I mean, I don't like having so much of Washington's defensive line right there. But um, And I tried to get Chase Young, too, funny enough, so I could have all of it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just trying to balance years here for the most part of this guy expires two years. His, his buddy next to him at the defensive line is going to be three years. Um, wide receivers stacking them. Jamal Adams, I'm going to have him until he's 30. I mean – I paid a 43 bucks and, and a second for him. Um, I, I, I know that him going to Seattle is probably going to be a little downtick with his value. I'm hoping not because I really trust that coaching staff and I think they'll put him in the best position to use his assets. Um, historically, 
where they've used their safeties is not lined up with his, but I'm hoping they switch that up a little bit just because they traded for him. They know who he is, and they're smart coaches generally over there. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Defensive end, I just I needed to plug the hole because that was a freaking sal for me. That was that was an issue. Um, Trey Flowers, his advanced metrics are in a good spot. I don't love him personally, but he, he's stuck in Detroit for a little while longer. So um, that at least gives me a holdover so I can try to figure something else out next year. Yeah. I I just want to say I also had Burrow, Goff, and Flowers this offseason. So when I saw your roster, it's pretty exciting to see that we signed some of the same guys for some of the same reasons too, mostly because how you mentioned how these guys are tied to their teams for so long, especially Goff. Like Goff, I don't know how you feel about Goff, but like he makes me super nervous because he threw like 17 picks last year and looked really bad. And everybody says like his offensive line's terrible and he's no good. Whenever you blitz him, his completion percentage tanks. He's not even a good starter. But I mean, he's signed to the Rams for like five years maybe now like they really have no choice except to stick with this guy and he was the second overall pick so what's not the like or first yeah, overall pick I forgot I think he was I think he was first yeah but they don't really have much as far as draft capital goes either and um the salary cap situation uh, they couldn't get out of that if they wanted to um but two years ago I mean last year was bad but two years ago he looked pretty dang good so yeah uh, I mean, there's a little bit of hope, but again, he he's signed to be a quarterback too. That's that's what he is. <laughs> he looks he looks like an NFL quarterback, like when you watch him visually. I know that's not very concrete of a statistic, but he looks like you know worst case scenario, he's like QB twenty, and then best case, I think he has top ten upside, um, but still very scary. And then also, yeah. did you give any thought to uh, taxi squatting Michael Pittman? I know he's an early second, but that's something that maybe I would have considered. Um, Pittman on the taxi squad didn't know. Just being a second, I, like I had a first round grade on him. If he gets picked up off the taxi squad, then like, I, I, no, that just feels like I'm losing value, honestly, unless I somehow get one in the first six picks. Um I mean, I know next year's college wide receiver core is is pretty stacked, but I really believe in Pittman, and I think a lot of his issues in college came from his quarterback that he had throwing him JT Daniels for so much time, and his connection to um, Amon Ross St. Brown going to the same high school. I think it was. Um, I, I don't think he was given a great chance to shine there, but this last year he he did great when they finally switched up the quarterback. So I, I believe in him. I think he was a uh, easy first round pick value in my opinion I figured you must have had something that you really liked about him because like I think he was the first like second tier receiver off of the board in PP like obviously Judy and CeeDee Lamb and then out of like the Pittman, Rieger, Denzel Mims, LaVisca like I think Pittman was the first one to go so yeah. I figured you had something that stuck out to you yeah I had the, I had the choice between Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager, I think it was. It might have been Michael Pittman and, J and Jalen Rager. Um, Rager, his college profile, just – I don't love it. He had the worst quarterback in the college football last year throwing to him. There was something like 
17% of throws 10 yards or more down the field were on target. 17%. Like, you can't be a good receiver there. But because of that, he ran, like, three routes in college. So, and they were all, like, stop and goes and slants. So, I, I, I just – he's too risky for me. Um, but I love Pittman. And Justin Jefferson – yeah, he was a slot guy last year, but two years back he was on the outside and he thrived there too. So, um, plus Minnesota losing Diggs, I, I think he has great value potential there. I think, I think Justin Jefferson and Michael Pittman could both turn into wide receiver ones on their team before those contracts are over. Yeah, those are those are good points. Um, definitely uh, not a bold prediction there um, that they could be ones. Um, Let's uh, go to the mayhem. Uh, I guess, uh, Blake, if you can kind of walk us through um, your thoughts on some of the, the contracts she handed out um, for her roster. And um, looks like she utilized all of them. She's uh, about 120 out of 120. Um, anything you, you see that you really like? Anything that you might have changed? Um, um. She, if I remember correctly, she always goes right up against the, the contract cap total. Um, she doesn't mess around with it, and she doesn't really use the taxi squad either uh, too much, I don't think. Yeah, I see one one guy on there, I think, Michael Warren. Um, so n not surprised at all to see 120 out of 120 there. Um, Jimmy Graham, I, I, <laughs> I don't know why you roster him right now. Um, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, he's a Bears fan. That's that's true. But um, I loved the pickup of Caden Smith off of Evan Ingram. Um, I wrote down some stats, but I'm not going to bother about them right now. Caden uh, Caden Smith is a sneaky sneaky ad. Um, not just because you know Giants and Evan Ingram injury potential and all that kind of stuff. But he was really productive in a little bit of time that he had. Um, I know there's been some talk on Twitter about that, but that is a sneaky grab for her. And two years, I, I love it. Um, Austin Hooper, he gets so much hate. I love it. Five years makes 100% sense to me. With 50 bucks in free agency, so, like, obviously you have to give him a long contract. But he is the most efficient tight end in the league. Um, his... Let's see here, it was 77% um, catch rate. And um, among catch of, among passes that were on target, it was like 97% catch rate. It was absurd last year. Um, he, he's not flashy. He's not going to give you a 25, 30, 45 touchdown. Um, but he'll give you 10 yards three or four times a game and – that's that's good enough, and I, I have no question he'll be good for the next five years. Um, whether or not he'll be in Cleveland and whether or not he'll get the volume to be a tight end one is another issue, but he'll be a consistent, at worst, tight end, low-end tight end one for the next five years for sure. Um, A.J. Dillon's a, a great one as well because Aaron Jones on the last year of his contract. Um we know how running backs are treated in the NFL right now. And A.J. Dillon, after this year, that could have first-round-plus value very quickly. 
Um, so you want to tie him up for a couple of years just in case that does happen. Five years is aggressive, but if you like the college profile, then that makes sense. Um, Littleton, obviously a stud. I think he's 27 right now, so she's got him until he's 30. Um, I might have given it an extra year because it was a franchise tag, but yeah, I was going to ask that if you thought the three was maybe a little light for a for an FT player. Yeah, uh, she would just had to have given it from somewhere else though, and um, yeah. I mean she's at one twenty out of one twenty. I don't I don't know, Chuck Clark maybe, but yeah, I mean ideally you, you spend more years than that on a franchise tag player, but you you got to pull that from somewhere, and I don't know, um, I don't know where you do that really. Yeah, I don't – yeah. One of the other IDPs, I guess. But, yeah, um, I probably would have given Ford a Littleton, but you're right. You'd have to pull that somewhere else when you're up against it with 120 out of 120. Um, I mean, two years on a kicker maybe she didn't have to do. Yeah. But in that Dallas offense, I mean, that's going to be a top five kicker probably for the next two years. Not that a kicker matters, but – if you can grab three, four extra points every week, that's that's not a bad thing either. Sure. All right. Why don't we uh, move into the slashers? All right. Um, so Ben Roethlisberger, three years. He is uh, old, so that's questionable a little bit. But he is also signed through 2021, and the dead cap is $22 million for that year. They have no possible way to get away from him. Plus, they did not pick up a backup at all this year. They're still riding with Mason Rudolph, which, I mean, great, because I paid too much for him. But Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as your backups, like, you're safe for two years at least, unless they happen to get a top five pick and pick up Justin Fields or something, um, which I don't see happening. But so three years is a little much. I might have gone two there. But if he goes two, which his contract pretty much requires, then – great he retires and you can pick up that year for free so not a big loss there um boston scott that's interesting um if you read into deuce staley's comments the running back coach there in in philly um it's going to be a workhorse role for miles sanders i don't know if i believe that but it, it raises a little concern um but, I mean, Boston Scott over this the last eight weeks of last season, he had, like, five targets a game. So, I mean, not a bad handcuff at all. Um, if something happens to Miles Sanders or even if he's just the same thing he was last year, there is some standalone value there. I don't know if it's enough to really start, but in this kind of COVID situation, it's an, it's enough to, to have him for sure. Um, Antonio Brown. Went over that is right now. Um, he just got an eight-week suspension. So, um, it's one year. It doesn't hurt. Jack Doyle, I think I've made my opinion clear on him before. <laughs> Not a Jack Doyle fan. Um, I think I went off on uh, on him in Pigskins Matt's uh, tight end rankings article. Why is that? Why are you not a Doyle fan? I love Jack Doyle. He is – uh, um, so he's, what is he, 28, 29? Yeah. He, he's a little bit older. His two most productive seasons – all right, here we go. I actually have a little stats for him. 
Um, so over the last four years, he's averaging 37 yards a game and 3.9 catches over the last four years, which has been like his, his everything. Cause he had stats similar to Darren Waller out of the gate where it was like three catches for 50 yards this year. He was nothing. And then he got into an opportunity where suddenly he could do something and he still hasn't done much. Um, it, it's purely driven by opportunity, not by talent, in my opinion. Um, so three years on a guy that's just there because of opportunity on a quarterback that's 36, I think he is. Um, I don't love it. But she only has – that's the only tight end – or this is Bob. He only has one tight end, and that's Jack Doyle after this year. So, I mean, at least it's something. Um, I don't love him. Uh, that's probably a little bit of bias, but I understand going more than one year, two years probably for me. I, I wouldn't bank on him long term. Um, Kirksey, injury issues, man. Oof. Um, the last two years, he's ended up on IR. Uh, if he's if he's active, he is a stud. If he's not, you know. But Jalen Smith is. Locked him up for five years. I love I love that. Not only because he's a franchise tag, but he has been super productive. He finally got past that that nerve injury, and he's been statistically um, – he's been consistently one of the most best tackling quarter, uh, linebackers. Um, I think Pro Football Focus had him as like the 12th most efficient tackling linebacker in the NFL last year. Um, he certainly, like, if you watch the tape, sometimes he gets out of position and seems a little lost. Yes. But when the ball is near him, you're not getting away from him. Um, plus, he just signed that six-year extension. So he's there through 2025. And historically, that Dallas defense, that middle linebacker spot, I mean, points galore. So I love the idea of locking him up for five years. Um, I think he's past the injury issues. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I'm a little confused. I don't know what other what other uh, adjustments he could have made, but he's got seven contract years left. He's got four contract years sitting out there on free agent guys that could easily free up at any moment. Um, but I, I guess I'm not seeing where he could have actually, he's got another two on Eric Reed. Um, that one I would probably keep though, but, um, I don't know where, where he could have increased contracts. Um, maybe on the two DTs that he got in the fourth round, but if you miss on either of those guys, that's a tough contract as well. So, um, yeah, um, obviously he'll have some contract room for next year, so maybe that sets up for a, a good thing for him uh, yeah. with that, with a bunch of these contracts coming off the books. I um, want to say Bob is one of the teams that traded his first-round pick next year. There's two teams in Promising Prospects that don't have their first rounds next year, and I want to say Bob is one of them. So he may be uh, low on contract years for, for a couple of years. Um, but he, he's got a lot of one, twos, and threes, so – You'll see a lot of roster turnover with him in the next few years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how about the uh, lemonade? All right. 
There we go. Um, so when I was going through and adding the little contract years for the contract deadline, there was one player that I did not know in the entire list. It was Steven Montez. I had no idea who that was. I just could not place that name. His quarterback backup for Washington. Colorado, right? Uh, no. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Again, that was the one guy. I just I had no idea who he was. <laughs> um, but, you know, so maybe there's something there that Jason saw that I just completely missed. I don't know. Um, but in Washington, having any quarterback is – why not? Because that's not a stable position at all. Um, at this point, I probably feel most comfortable with Alex Smith. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, the one other than Stephen Montes, apparently the one guy I did not pick up out of that back out of that quarterback room. Um, Matt Breed is interesting. I mean, we've seen the production, but that Miami running back group—I I don't know what to make of it. Um, there's him. There's Jordan Howard. There's Patrick Laird, there's Kalen Bellage, Miles Gaskin. Like, I don't think any of them really inspire a ton of confidence. Um, so two years makes sense for that because he could very well become the Velcow on that running back group. Like, I have no idea who's going to make it out of there. Is Miles um, Gaskin still on an edit ball roster? Yeah, yeah. I hey, checked this morning. Really, yeah. I'm still buying the hype. I don't know if anybody else is. <laughs> I I was I had big hopes last year, man. I had them on every team. Yeah, yeah. I, I never owned any of them, but I'm I mean I'm a huge Jordan Howard truther for some stupid reason. I yeah, so I'm still holding out hope there. But uh Matt Breida could very well become the bell cow there. I mean I know he's a little smaller, but there's not a whole lot of talent there, so it could happen. Um, most are – I was surprised with the holdout news that they actually gave him a, a contract and renegotiation. Granted, it was entirely in the form of incentives, but that must inspire some confidence there. Um, and then Keyshawn Vaughn, they just added uh, – what running back did they just add? The older guy. LaShawn McCoy, was it? Yeah. Um, so they just added him, so – yeah, I think Vaughn maybe lost a little value there, especially, um, you know, those reps for blitz pickup. Is and, he on the COVID uh, list, too? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a rookie season that's going to have issue coming off the ground. But next year could be an easy buy in your in your redrafts if you're still doing those. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a tough one right now. Diggs and Fuller, I mean, great talent. Um, Fuller's constantly injured and Diggs is going to a not much of a throwing offense there um, and I have the spreadsheet here somewhere but the Buffalo Bills are like the second fewest vacated targets this offseason in the NFL so love the talent it's a franchise tag you got to give them a lot of years I'm, I'm not sure where I'm ranking him right now, but it's nowhere near where he was last year. So, um, but that's that's bad news because that was after the tag deadline. I'm pretty sure when that actually happened. So, nothing you can do about it. I think with the franchise tag, I probably would have locked him up though. I probably, given that he's got five extra years, I probably would have done five or six on digs. Yeah, with the talent being there for sure. I mean, if you have five years, why not? Yeah. Um, and Blake Martinez, I mean, 
that's that's a good one as well. Um, we know he's a tackle machine. We don't know that he's a great linebacker, but we know he's a tackle machine. <laughs> um, so good against I, the run. Yeah, I, I don't know how long his contract is. He's good against the run. I don't know how long his contract is with the Giants, but uh, I would imagine there's some logic connecting the five years there. So as long as that's the case, then I don't hate that at all. I wouldn't have gone any more though, for sure. Um, let's see here. Justin Houston down there at three years. That's an interesting one for me. He's 31 now. Uh, not the most productive fantasy football defensive end anymore. Uh, three years is a little aggressive, I think, there. Yeah, I would agree with that. But at least he's got the, the room. At least he didn't do three years and put him up against the cap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I don't see anything else that really stands out here as a questionable or no. I mean, I might have thrown Montez on the taxi squad, but um, – I don't think he makes much use of the taxi squad, so that makes sense. Also, Delpit. I mean, I'm high on him. Um, I would have gone longer given the extra room, but um, I can understand only doing the four. Um, I actually had to bump him down to the taxi squad based on a trade, um, but I initially had him at a six-year contract. That's a good point. I mean, he's got um, Isaiah Hodgins and uh, Matt Abuike, too, which he just gave long contracts to when he totally could have taxi squad him. So I don't know what the logic there is. He forgot there's a taxi squad. Um, but my guess is that people love their rookies. So. Yeah, I don't know if I would have put Hodgins on the taxi squad because that's a blind bid. So, I mean, you're getting pretty much nothing back for him. And I've seen enough interest from other teams that – that might be a quick snipe there. Uh, that was that. That might have been a waiver pickup then. Yeah, yeah. I figured he was a seventh rounder, but yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's move on to our new owner, the Storm. See how he did with his contracts. Mm, can't see that. There we go. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Um. There wasn't a whole lot to really do here. Um, Jonathan Taylor, six years. I'm a huge believer in the talent, so I have absolutely no issues for that, even for a tight for a running back. Jared Cooks, what, 34, 35 now? He's getting up there, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, again, if the guy retires and you've got the contract years, which he's still got eight left, then why not? Um, there were a few guys here. I feel like he had a couple of free agents that I was like a little surprised on the years that he was giving them, but maybe it was yeah. just Clowney. Clowney, yeah. Um, I think three is fair for him. I mean, if he was on a team, I don't think we'd look twice at that one. Yeah, that's going to depend so much on which team he lands on and whether or yeah, not he has I, fantasy I value. Yeah. Um, I love Dante Fowler, though. Um, I probably would have given him an extra year. He's still fairly young. That Atlanta defensive end spot – it's produced in the past. Um, I, I probably would have given him another year, especially seeing that it was 42 bucks in free agency, um, which I don't – he wasn't actually the one bidding here, so 
I know he's not too married to the prices, but I, I think I would have given Fowler an extra year. Um, and again, with Jordan Hicks, the same, I would have given him another year. I just, I believe in those talents enough, but that's personal bias. So if he loses him a little less, that's completely reasonable here. Um, but there's just eight years sitting there. So mm-hmm. maybe he uses them here in this COVID season to pick up guys that other people can't. Um, I, I don't know. This team's – it's built to win now, but I don't think it's really there. Um, he just traded in the last week. It was uh, Matt Ryan for Aaron Jones, which I thought was a great sign that he's he's seen this roster and what he needs to do and kind of start moving away from some of these older pieces. Yeah, I was wondering why he had Matt Schaub. Randomly, because that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. And I think he actually gave him – I think that was actually an extension this year too. That was a a one-year deal that he gave on him in the last week. Uh, Degara out of Green Bay, that's a guy I probably would have thrown on the taxi squad. Um, Assuming he wasn't a free agent pickup, I I don't know if that's accurate or not, but – Yeah, the one I'm really looking at is uh, Brian Edwards. That it shows that he is on the taxi squad. Um, you know, Edwards is a guy who fell a little bit in the draft, which made him fell, fall a little bit in rookie drafts, just because that's uh, there's a lot of receivers in Vegas. But uh, he's a guy who had a first round grade. So, um, I mean, I don't want to give out yeah. any strategy to guys, but you know, that's a, that's a guy who may not be too expensive to use a, a second-round snipe on for a poach. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away here, but I've been talking with him in the back rooms on that one a little bit as well. So uh, <laughs> I wouldn't expect that to stick there for too long. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he had some contract room to use. Um, should he have done maybe something else? I am. Running backs are tough. I mean, maybe he could have thrown like eight on, on Taylor, but, you know, if Taylor ages poorly, it's going to look like a bad contract in three years rather than the six that he gave him. So, you know, who knows? But um, the other ones seem to look good, and he's got room to continue to make trades. So as a new owner, I think that's important for him to have that contract room and not be up against it um, in that aspect for, for trading and um, knowing how active Brian is, um, he'll definitely be looking to make some moves to make the team um, more his. Yeah, so. I expect him and Sam to become quick buds here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to uh, Sam's team. Big roster. Um, wow, it's overwhelmingly big almost. Uh, so 119 out of 120 contract years given out. So not much he really could have done here. Um, I mean, super franchise tag three years. Ouch. Yeah. Um, Mike Williams, like, he's been inconsistent. I don't understand Mike Williams' career. His first year, he had 
all the touchdowns but none of the yards. His second year he had all the yards but none of the touchdowns. I just – what's going on? <laughs> um, 119 out of 120, he can't do much more. But I would have I, – I believe in his talent. I know he's a Clemson guy, but I believe in his talent. And I would have loved to have seen that go a little bit further. C.D. Lamb, believe in him as well. But there's just not much you can do here when, when you're up against the contract cap. Um, yeah. Unless there's a couple of practice squad guys that he could have stashed, then that's the only way I could see it happening. Um, which there's there's not really. Maybe maybe you wait on Adam Trotman and throw him on the taxi squad. Saves you four years there. But That wouldn't be a bad one based on the uh, pick, 3.11. So, yeah. I mean, getting a second rounder on a poach, that wouldn't have been a bad move to open up four extra years. He could have Increase CD to CD Lamb to six, increase Cousins to four. Mm-hmm. You know, and had had some some room to work with. Yeah, that's probably the move I would have made. Um, but tough to argue with the other ones. But Lamb and, and Cousins, I would have looked for longer contracts on for sure. Yeah, the great thing about this roster is in the COVID situation, he's got everybody's backup. <laughs> like. If if you need something, come to Sam because he, he'll be able to trade you somebody for that week probably. Yeah, I just think this is Sam's year to trade, man. He's got he's got extra kickers. You need an extra safety, he's got you. Like any QB, he's got it. So a lot of depth there. Well, I guess being out to sea, he was he was put at a disadvantage too because of uh, yeah. Funchess opting out. You know, had he been able to make a move on that prior to contract deadline, he could have opened that contract up by putting Funchess on the IR. Yeah. Um, but obviously the disadvantage being that he's not local and able to make that move on, on a dime. So, um, yeah, but I mean, those years get open up here and there, so. I mean, his yeah. roster might actually even get bigger somehow. I mean, yeah, yeah, so, yeah him, Josh Gordon, yeah. Yeah. Sam and Brian should should start talking. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to Steel City, who was named number one team in the Gorilla rankings. Uh, so let's see what we're working with here. For good reason. Um I mean, Lamar Jackson, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Tyree Kill, Robert Woods, like we're already we're already at a solid lineup right there. And that's just guys that I'm basically highlighted here. They're basically highlighted. Um hundred and fourteen out of hundred and twenty, so he has room to go. I'm not sure why Josh Allen says two years next to a contract extension. I'm guessing that's supposed to be one. He could have extended a one to a two. Oh, that's that's true, yeah. Um, okay, well, that makes sense then. Um, I don't remember who he lost in free agency, but that makes a lot of sense. Josh Allen's a dynasty fantasy football, just rushing yardage, it, it helps. So, um, I would have gone further on Tyreek Hill, I think, personally, and Robert Woods. Um, I mean, Tyreek's going to be good for – as long as he's in the league and stays out of trouble and all that. 
Robert Woods is 27, I think. So he has him through his 30th season. Yeah, I would have made that a five. If you're going to put the franchise tag on him, I think we've, at least Matt and I have agreed that that should equate to a five-year deal. Yeah, I mean, I understand being hesitant for guys that are like 32, 33 when they come off their contracts, but it's a receiver, and I, I, I think Robert Woods has the body to be able to hold. Yeah, five, five years, that's probably where I would have gone as well. Logan Ryan, oh, my gosh. Can we talk about the transition tag for a second? <laughs> oh, um, this was one of two trades I made last year. I had sent Logan Ryan to, to uh, Lenny for a fourth-round pick, I think it was. And it was he was on the last year of his deal, obviously. I think the other one was Shaq Barrett. But this goes back to like Sam's roster of just because it's a one year guy, he still has trade value. And sometimes you can find guys that are willing to pay on that. I mean, Logan Ryan last year was two hundred and twenty points for a corner, I think it was. I mean, it, it was or no, it was more than that. He was by far, by far the corner one. He was one. cornerback number one. Um I think he had over 100 actual NFL tackles. It was insane. Um, so, I don't understand why he's still a free agent. Somebody should sign him. But a transition tag for one year, I don't get that. I don't get transition tagging a corner. Um, I don't know. I don't understand what the logic was there. I don't know if he's explained that and I've missed it, but I'd love to hear the logic there. I think he, like, realized – I think there was a post where he kind of realized he messed up. I mean, this is – I think this is Leone's first offseason, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he took over in a dispersal during last offseason. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, just being new to the whole tag thing, I guess you see, oh, I got the number one quarter. Yeah, he's worth the tag. Um, but now that Logan Ryan's still a free agent, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, Jabril Pepper's seven years. That's aggressive. Um, he's you know he's his great box safety. Um, seven years we don't know where he's going to be in seven years at all. That is well past his NFL contract. I think he's on the last year of his NFL contract. Um, but as long as he lands in a good spot, I mean he's a box safety just like Jamal Adams. I mean that's kind of that's kind of landing spot proof. Um. Linval, I love. That was a great deal for for ten bucks for Linval Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I would have gone a little bit further with with Tyree Kill, Robert Woods, probably a little less with Jabril Peppers, but there weren't too many other things to do here. Yeah, um, I think he's going to have to be savvy with the waiver wire. Um, He's got room to work, but um, the depth just isn't there at some positions. Um, You know, DT, DE, those are big scoring positions in roster wars. And, you know, if Miles Garrett or Aaron Donald get injured, it really does hurt his team. I mean, he's got studs at those positions, but, I mean, this team looks a lot different if – Garrett, Donald, Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson, if somebody gets injured, it looks a lot different throwing out a starting lineup the following week. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd um, agree that QBs are really light. I would just say, like, for any defensive position, you could find a startable player on the wave wire any given week. So, sure, I mean, you, can find, you can find a startable one, but losing yeah. Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett is going to hurt. No, oh, oh, yeah, of course. You lose a superstar like that. But I think – and we talk a lot about values and stuff and, and all that stuff, but I think the, the logic behind a small roster is superstar position players hope they don't get hurt. That increases my ceiling. And then, okay, if these superstars do get hurt, I can find a replacement-level player. But like you said, Haji, big drop-off there. And yeah, the drop-off is, is the concern. I, I understand hitting the waiver wire, grabbing a guy that – that can get you 10 points, but, you know, Aaron Donald could get you 40 points on a Monday night football game. Yeah. You know, and it's, that's the difference of, of a Donald versus, uh, you know, a, a top level waiver wire guy. I mean, there's a reason that that guy's not rostered currently. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'd point out is Malik Harrison and Terrell Lewis and his linebacking group um, with just the situation of COVID right now, one of those years could be gone very quickly. And then you've got one year to check out and see if your rookie actually can stick and whether or not you actually want to keep them. And I, I don't know if, I mean, you don't want to just go ahead and give everybody a three or four year deal, but two years, you may not have any idea if that player's worth it by the time that contract's up right now. Perfect place for you to tax the squad. Yep, agreed. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the bonsai. Dylan. Uh, all right, so Herbert and Love, um, clearly going for the future here. Love for five years. Um, I, you know, it depends on what you think about Love there. Uh, it, obviously, he's got Aaron Rodgers to soften the blow, but – 11 years for two quarterbacks that are considered fairly risky for most people, I think. That's, I mean, stick with your guns and go for it. That's, that's immediately, that is very risky there. Um, Mark Ingram, one year, 25 bucks in free agency. Oof. Um, that's a costly one-year contract. Yeah. And technically, he still has a two-year deal in Baltimore. His second year, there's like no buyout, but would two years really hurt you there? I don't know. Um, I mean, might as well use the contract extension on Saquon there. I, I 100% get that. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Is he going to stick in Pittsburgh? Uh, that could go any number of ways. Um, yeah, I doubt it. And there's a, not a whole lot of talk, but a little bit of concern that that was just – his rookie blow-up season was um, – perfect storm of situation a little bit and that was the highest we'll ever see him um but again i mean if you believe in the talent stick with your gun so i can't blame that at all brandon Ayuk with the, the 211 spot for the taxi squad is the perfect placement that's the way the taxi squad should be used yes exactly um and i guess he doesn't really have the gears to to do a full-on contract there I was just a little surprised to see him actually placed on a taxi squad anywhere because I think he could be immediately useful this year. Yeah, um, I was surprised. I mean, just given the fact that he didn't taxi squad Jordan Love, 
who he took six picks later. Like, what's the logic? that? Like, I don't think either of these players has, like, appreciably increased or decreased in value since our draft. So, like, it, it just speaks to, like, you, you read a couple articles, the hype messes with your head, and when you're drafting these players, he thinks Jordan Love is six picks worse than Brandon Ayuk, and now all of a sudden Love has more value than Ayuk. It doesn't make sense. I, I would agree. I think folks should be on the taxi squad, but everybody's got their own strategy. Yeah. Um, Max Crosby, six years. Am I the only person in the world that does no, not love Max Crosby? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that seems like a lot for a guy that was a – I mean, he was a third-round – no, he was a you know, third-round pick in the NFL last year. He was obviously on a one-year deal in his rookie, in his rookie year in roster wars. And now he's getting six years after one year of production. I don't get it. Um, I mean, props to Dylan throughout this entire thing. He, he's clearly got his guys and he's sticking to it. And I can't fault anybody for that. But six years after a guy that was clearly just picked up off the wire last year, um, that's not, that's a little much for me. Pigskins Matt, I think, comp tagged Max Crosby over an RR. And seeing the price that he went for over a PP probably made him a little sad. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Off the top of your head, you remember roughly how much that was over there? Like 20? 25, 28. I mean, I don't know who was bidding against, you know, this isn't just Dylan. It takes two to get these prices up here. So somebody else thought Max Crosby was worth at least 38. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to trash too much. I don't even have the tab open anymore. But um, if you look among uh, defensive linemen and edge players last year with, like, at least 10 sacks, the QB pressure rate and sack conversion rate were just astronomical, did not fit in with the rest of the group. Um, I mean, I I think it was just a great rookie year. And hopefully it pans out for Dylan because, I mean – Dylan's been a great trade partner and great in talks. And, like, I I mean, I'd refer to, for me to win, but, like, I, I'd have no problem with this working out for him either. So, um, no ill will or anything. I just don't get it there. I love these next-level stats, by the way. I feel like <laughs> 90% of us just look at the roster or score from last season and go, oh, yeah, this guy scores points. <laughs> Blake's over here actually evaluating talent, so that's always good to see. Yeah. All right, Frankie, the Duffers. That's a lot of guys in the secondary at first look. That is, that is, uh, what is that? Eight corners, eight cornerbacks. Wow. Yeah. Um, generally, I would you know pick up guys during the season if I needed them there. But Stephon Gilmore, AJ Bouye, Janoris Jenkins, Denzel Ward, or Davis. I mean, they're great corners. Absolutely. Um, that's just a lot. Um, obviously he's got my boy Drew Locke there, which I love, but he also has Patrick Mahomes, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Michael Thomas. Who else does he have expiring this year? JJ Watt, TJ Watt. Yeah, all those are expiring after this year. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> that's a that's going to be a busy free agency next year, and. Luckily, he has the second most um, roster wars war bucks right now. Um, so, going to have to use a lot of those tags. 
and a lot of those warbucks just to stay in the same place, not to improve, just to stay in the same place if he wants to do that. Um, Patrick Mahomes and and Michael Thomas alone, wow. Um, that's gonna that's gonna be the story of next RFA is whether or not Frankie can hold on to those guys. Obviously, why you're super. Not, yeah, I was gonna say, why did he not use his contract extension? Uh, yeah, he didn't use it. I have no idea why he didn't use it there because he used his transition tag and his and his franchise tag. It's not like he just didn't think about it. He actively chose not to use it. Or his super and, franchise, uh, yeah. Yeah, and um, he has 113 years left. Travis Kelsey getting three with a franchise tag. I know he's a bit older. Um, and then obviously Kansas City's salary cap situation for the next few years is an issue. Um, but I was looking through it the other day after Chris Jones got his extension, and after Sammy Watkins goes, and I want to say it was um one of their linebackers. They suddenly had like another $25 million available in, like, in two years, uh, which is when Travis Kelsey's contract runs up. So I don't think – I don't think you had to be super concerned about Travis Kelsey walking from Kansas City and suddenly not being super valuable for some reason. Even at 31, 32, I would have given more years there. Uh, Travis Kelsey's the kind of guy that you ride him until he's done, and then you ride him a little bit more if you want to. <laughs> Yep, another franchise take. Got to go five there. Yeah. Um, I think he might have been just a little too concerned about age, but there's years available. Why not use them here? Um, Cameron Jordan, Trey Greenlaw, Rashad Perriman. Those are the guys that are highlighted. Rashad Perriman, not as much as the other ones, but they're great players. I mean, three years, you've got extra years available. Might throw an extra one on Cameron Jordan, who's – getting kind of towards there in age, but he still would have been not too old at the end of that three years, I don't think. Was he 28? Solid. Yeah, he's, he's solid too, yeah. Yeah, so, could he, I mean, defensive ends especially last for a while. So, there's years available that weren't used. Um, I think K.J. Wright for two years. It just feels like a lot was left on the table here. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I would have done a, a, a couple things different. Um, he's got a solid team, but after 2020, he's going to struggle to uh, keep the band together here. At least you got his secondary locked up. Yeah. Yeah, I just did a quick count. That's 14 contract years for corners. And and the safeties, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, good good thing you spent $10 on Tredavious White because the other seven corners just probably weren't going to cut it for this season. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, with safeties, I, I respect it a bit more because those can score the same amount as a linebacker if it's a good safety. Um, I have no problem with you holding seven safeties. I think I generally hold a lot of safeties. But I just don't understand the corners. And, and you could come out of this – you could come out of the Roth season with four or five years on your corners and then suddenly – Travis Kelsey with five and Cameron Jordan with five and like all of this is perfectly fine. Um, not to mention the Warbucks you saved there and go towards Patrick Mahomes contract extension. I would have um, liked to have seen him like buy out Mahomes' contract and super franchise him this year. Just knowing what's going to come with Zeke and Michael Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. That's a route for sure. Um, Cause he still has 
I want to say it's like 127 war bucks off the top of my head. It might be like 117 or something like that. But um, he has enough that he could have done it for sure it, and still been okay. But next year's going to be fun. That's That was kind of my thinking throughout all of restricted free agency was I was looking at who's got con- like too many contracts for next year and not going to be able to hold on to somebody. Like, what are the guys that are likely going to fall out of that? I think most people do that. But, like, four months ago, I was looking at Frankie's roster and going, okay, I see some fun stuff here. If he comp tags Michael Thomas, like, what does he go for? 100, 120? More, 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 I think. Yeah. There's only one other person, and that's Keith, with more Warbucks than Frankie. And he has, like, 20, 25 Warbucks more. And then I'm actually third with 88. And then everybody else is like 30, 20, 15. Yeah. Um, you would go for the max of whatever it would take to outspend everybody else. Yeah, just me and Keith alone, I think, would fight that out for at least 150. <laughs> I'd say he's worth it still. I yeah, don't know be, the, he's worth the Tariq Cohen cost? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Justin? Was that Tyler? Uh, I don't. It was Stein was in the mix too, wasn't he? I feel like Stein's always in the mix. Yeah. Might have been Justin. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Justin. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a great roster. Um, QB two is a little weak, but the running backs are stacked. Receivers are good enough. I mean, if he can avoid COVID issues. I, I see no reason this team could not go really deep this year. I agree. Yeah, definitely a solid team. Um, he's going to have to stay healthy in his backfield, um, but throwing mm-hmm. out Eckler, Elliott, Sanders every week. Um, and possibly Anderson. I mean, possibly Anderson, not yeah, depending on, on the uh, share there with Akers. Um, but yeah, I, that's a. That's a tough opponent to face every week, knowing you're going against that. Um, all right, let's move on to the Tremors. Does it feel like Promising Prospects has more large rosters than every other conference so far, or division so far? <laughs> kind of feels like that to me when I'm watching this. But um, Yeah, yeah, they're up there. Jalen Hurts on a four-year deal. I don't, I don't know if I love that. Um, I don't think that a four point oh six that's somebody you could have really tax, uh, taxi squad either. Though. Um, I, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Uh, Drew Brees is what the contract extension is made for. I mean, even we know there's one year. Don't overthink it. Good. Um, 106 out of 120 years. I don't understand why that is a thing. And J.K. Dobbins has four-year contract. Those just don't compute to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Tony Pollard has standalone value, so I don't mind three years there. Um, Alshon is 16 when we know that he's pretty much retired at this point. Um, that tight end group is lean. 
Blake Jarwin, though. I mean, potential's there. I, I'm not as familiar with his advanced stats, but I know that they're very indicative of success. Um, and now that Witten's not there, he could turn into a bottom end tight end one as early as this year. It could happen. Um, so with 106 out of 120, take that gamble. Worth it. Um, I mean, I don't think even if they drafted somebody, they're not going to outplace Blake Jarwin quick enough for that three-year contract to like negatively hurt you. Um, let's see here, Bradley McDougal, one-year deal. He's a little older, and he's on the last. That was, I think, a thing that was not talked about enough. With Jets now, right? Yeah, yeah, he was in the um, Jamal Adams trade. Yeah, but. I agree that the two first was overpay, but Bradley McDougald was in the last year of his contract. Um, and people are constantly like, two first and a great safety. And it's like, okay, it's a one-year contract on a safety that doesn't line up with your window. Like, it's basically just cap relief for the Seahawks, honestly. Yeah, I think the, the third-round pick was the better asset of, of that. Yeah. Um, so... It's just a deep roster with plenty of talent. I keep on leaning too close to the camera. <laughs> so um, if Breeze does come back for 2021, if he decides that 2020 is too weird to hang it up and he continues for another year before he goes into broadcasting, one of Breeze, Henry, or Devontae Adams would be available in RFA next year too. Because only the super tag and the contract extension keep them out of RFA. Um, obviously, it would take a first-round pick to nab one. But I, out of those three, who do you guys think you would feel the best about floating out there to RFA? Would it be Breeze in his final year? Or is a, is a QB too uh, valuable? Yeah, I, I think there are enough teams that are going to see themselves as competitors for that to have value. Um, I would not, if I have any option, I would not let go of Devontae Adams and Derrick Henry. So somehow tag those guys and let everybody that thinks that they're in a competing, oh, is Coachella even competing next year? I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of ones here, so I don't, I don't know. Well, I think some going through. but So that's a move. I wonder if, if, if he's not – competitive this year you could almost see him if he could move breeze in a trade and just get a lower tier starting quarterback in return so he has somebody to start with you know Foles if Foles is starting at that point so he can still throw two quarterbacks out each week I think he could he could get a pretty nice payday to a competitor um, from one of these solid teams that is weak at the quarterback position um, to lock up Breeze for their, their playoff push. I, I feel like, you know, say Tremor starts two and five, you know, that might be a move that he wants to make. And then he doesn't have to worry about that next year. He can do his super tag and his contract extension with Henry and Adams. I would have, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I agree with everything you just said, Haji, but then it doesn't make any sense. 
why do you contract extend them in the first place? Like then you spent twenty five dollars knowing you don't have a competitive roster. Um, maybe Chris believes that he does have a competitive roster. I don't know, but at that point it would make more sense to either trade him last season or use a comp tag on him and get the money back rather than contracting setting him for one year, which even decreases his value a little bit more. Sure. Um, I think that it's, it was a, a cheap tag though for him to, I mean, it's August 1st today. And if you scratch out Drew Brees, you can't say that he can even start a quarterback that's starting an NFL game next month. And that's perfect. If I have a non-competitive team, I want to get the first draft pick next year. Yep. And obviously this, there's no tanking in roster wars. There's none of that. But if I could start one QB each week instead of two, I think it's going to help me get there. This was an yeah, identical situation to where I was last year. Um, I think I had Josh Allen going into the year. Um, I traded so many quarterbacks at the beginning, kind of hard to keep track. But um, And at some point, somebody just gave me an offer that was good value for Josh Allen, and I had to lean on Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph, which clearly did not work out, which sent me straight to the top of the draft board. Um, so, I mean, that, that's not a bad situation. Plus, if you get it to a competitor, Drew Brees, and let's say somebody who's got, like, Devin Singletary – to kind of make these contracts work if it's necessary. Like anybody pretty much can take on a one-year deal. Suddenly you have 11 trade partners instead of just two or three um, because you have a three-year deal that they can't take on. Um, I think that one-year contract is perfect. Um, it makes them very easy to trade. I just want to throw this in there because we're on the subject. I I love this contract extension tag because I've not been able to figure it out from a strategy standpoint. Um, I think we all see how it makes a lot of sense to use it on a guy like Breeze who might only have one or two good years left in the tank. But what is what is the opportunity cost? What are you losing by not using that one year on somebody like Devontae Adams? or uh, a J.K. No, Dobbins is a bad example, or Derek Henry or something. Like, extending somebody's contract who already has a contract even further. Um, that's something I've always kind of debated because it, it gives you a lot of flexibility to give guys smaller contracts and then extend them, you know, as they hit. Oh, this guy's actually good. Let me give him the extension and move on from these older guys. I've never I've been viewed, able to figure it out. I view the contract extension – not so much for these breeze kind of situations, but for when you have um, a Frankie situation where he has like four guys that are just studs and you, you want to keep them all, but you can't afford to. It, the contract extension is only purpose, in my opinion, is to spread out those guys that just happened to all hit at the same time and expire at the same time. Other than that, I, I, I would agree with you, though. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I do personally is I contract extend Zach Ertz every year because initially I had him on a so-so contract back in 2017 before he was, like, great, and now Zach Ertz is a top tight end. So, like, I figure, like, okay, maybe I, like, string him along until he's, like, 31, 32, then I move on because he's not a guy you want to tag and give six years because it doesn't make you feel good. So, like, those tweener guys, like, who kind of hit later in their careers – so they're not tag-worthy to give a long contract and maybe just spring them along. 
I don't know what the value is there versus giving it to an older guy like Breeze and getting one extra veteran to, you know, help you make a playoff push. Yeah. I, unless I – don't, I don't even know. Unless Matthew Stafford came out tomorrow, maybe even Patrick Mahomes came out tomorrow and said, all right, I've made my money, I'm going home. Like, <laughs> I don't understand the the point of one year. It's it's probably not going to be enough to push you over the, the the edge to actual championship of this one year or this one player. Yeah, it's, it's almost never enough. Yeah, it's it's really hard to evaluate. What is that one extra guy really getting you? Um, but Breeze is a stud veteran, so it's hard to quantify. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move on to the Falcons. You knew somebody had to do it, so Keith's the one that uh, Gardner Minshew, he's all in here. Um, I mean, he, he looks solid as a rookie. Um, somebody had to do it because, I mean, you're not going to sit him on a one-year, two-year deal. I mean, now's the time to strike and get him on a long contract when he's fairly cheap. So, um it's a gamble, but I, I think that's one of the better tags, I think, this offseason in Promising Prospects. Because if he hits, then you're never going to have a chance of getting him that cheap again. Um, KJ Hamler and LaVisca Chenault at the back end of their round on Taxi Squad, again, as it's meant to be done. Um Running back, DeAndre Swift, five years. I mean, it's running back, so five years makes sense. Um, can't fault you for that. 116 out of 120. Some, some years could have been used somewhere probably, but I don't fault you either for saving a couple of years for when you're almost guaranteed to need them here. Um, though Grady Jarrett, if I'm going to put more, more years on anybody, I think that's him. He's what twenty five? I think he's twenty five. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, keep him through. He's thirty. It, he's he's good enough for sure. Um, I think with this this would be the perfect team for that breeze trade, though. <laughs> just in case, you know, if Minshew doesn't hit in twenty twenty, just to have that flexibility to pivot to Breeze-Wentz combo on a talented team that looks on paper to be a playoff team. Yeah, thin it, def uh, tight end, thin it, defensive line. But as long as injuries don't hurt you too much, then come, mm -hmm. come deadline, that 100% makes sense. How do we feel about the uh, super franchise on Tyler Lockett? Do you think he would have survived the franchise tag? Yeah. Yeah, in in a uh, promising prospects, yeah, because uh, yeah, Keith and I owned more than half of the first round, I think. Um, so he was pretty much fighting with me. I think Lenny had the one twelve, and that was it. Uh, anything past that would have been the one hundred seven or higher, and I don't know if anybody would have really done that. Um, I mean, I was desperately in need of a wide receiver, but, and obviously it's easier for me to say this because I know what I would have done, but I wouldn't have 
given him a first round pick for Tyler Lockett with Robert Woods also franchise tag. Um, so yeah, I, I think the super was excessive. And then another thing I also want to point out, I don't think we've ever brought it up so far in this contract series. Um, so I'm sure other people have done it as well, but the offensive versus defensive breakdown about how you spread out your contracts is um, something I consider to be really important. I think given the uh, variability, the nature uh, of defensive players versus offensive players who are going to be a little more consistent from year to year, um, it's usually beneficial to give more of your contracts on the offensive side of the ball. Um, now, what percentage you do that is, is everybody's guess. Um, I put it somewhere around 68%. Um, but just to look at see, Keith, he's built a very strong team, don't get me wrong, but he has a lot of contracts on the defensive side of the ball. And we'll see how that plays out over three seasons, four seasons, five seasons down the line when he starts losing some of these more consistent offensive guys and maybe some of these defensive guys change roles and he ends up with some bad contracts. Yeah, um, I would I would generally agree. I think there is more variability in defensive players, but I think at the top end, um, I don't know if that's necessarily the, the case. I mean, other than just getting traded or signing with like a really bad situation, which, I mean, a quarterback can do that as well. You can go to Jacksonville and not have a ton of passing attempts. Um, but I think the top-tier defensive players, they're consistent. It's anything past that A-plus tier where it's just, who knows? <laughs> um, which, I mean, the problem is almost every guy on most people's rosters is the invariability. Um, so your Grady Jarrett's like, give them six years. They're going to be good that long. But you're – I mean, I, I, I like Todd Davis. I like Shaq Barrett. I like uh, Roquan Smith. But they're plenty variable enough that, yeah, this should be two years on those guys for sure. Yeah, and that's a very good point about the top end. I forget what the numbers were. I have them somewhere. But, like, if you look at the percentage of guys who repeat in the top ten of fantasy performers year in and year out, and you go by position, you know, IDPs are up there, you know, with the rest of the offense, you know, very consistent. But when you sort that by, like, top 25, top 30, you see the variability. You see that not a lot of IDP performers repeat. And usually it is that 10 to 30 range where you're getting a lot of that variability. But that's a very good point. If you don't have a top-end guy, you probably don't want to be spending contracts this way. Yeah. Um, so Chase Young, Grady Jarrett, like, some of these longer contracts, Kenneth Murray, we'll wait and see. That's still a rookie. I'm not going to guesstimate on that. But – some of these longer contracts, I have no problem with him spending longer years on. Um, Bud Dupree, three. Ryan Connolly, three. That's where I started having some issues. I agree. Yeah. Yep, I, I do too. Um, definitely agree with the Grady Jarrett. Should have been five or six, um, especially because he had, he had a little bit of room. Um, yeah, let's move on to the Spartans to, I think, finish it out. Old John. So, two on a four-year deal at the 103 with seven free contract years. Nope. That should have been like a eight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely more than four. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I don't know what number specifically because that depends on how much you trust them. And I just think was, if you take them at at one point oh three, you're kind of already invested. That's kind of how my feelings are with the franchise tag. If you've already invested that you care enough about this guy or you think he's good enough that, hey, I'm going to give him this franchise tag, you got to back it up with the contract length then too. So if you're mm-hmm. going to move in at 1.03 on Tua, it means you believe. Otherwise, yeah. you're passing on him there based on what's available. Well, I remember during the draft, this was very interesting to watch because it was clear that John needed a quarterback desperately. Yeah, Daniel Jones and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's like maybe in, maybe out. Like he had to get something immediately. Um, so Burrow came to me at 1.02. And so John was handcuffed to Tua. He had no other option. I mean, he could have gone Herbert, I guess. But he didn't really have another option that he was guaranteed to have a quarterback other than just bet one Daniel Jones. Um so maybe he just doesn't went, like Daniel Jones. CEH went first. Uh, no, I got CEH at four. Taylor went first. Taylor yeah. went first. Okay, so I mean, technically speaking, he I, I wouldn't. You're right. If he uses the pick, he's locked into Tua. But he could have easily shopped that to somebody who wanted CEH, who saw CEH drop, and saw he could get him at the 1.03. And he could have gotten a quarterback with a trade for 1.03, plus other assets, really. I mean, you know, if it was a, a middle-tier quarterback to pair with Daniel Jones, you know, at same level as Jones. Um, We're assuming he could have gotten a trade partner there. Yeah, the, the assumption is that he could have. But, I mean, whether – so if you're not invested in, in Tua – I mean, you would you would look to shop it, but you're right. You may not have a buyer. Um, I just think that you go that route where you do utilize the pick, knowing he needed a quarterback. Lock him up. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree that it, more than four years, absolutely. Um, I just think this might have been a situation where John was kind of handcuffed to it and had no choice and didn't really love it and. Six years instead of eight might have been more reasonable for him. Sure, sure. But, I mean, four I don't think was quite enough for the third overall pick at all. But, yeah, eight might have been excessive for him at the same time. <laughs> I'm um, okay with those eight-year contracts. <laughs> I gave one to Judy, so. Oof, yeah. I hope he pans out that he's good enough for eight. That'd be great for me. Um, I have him as well, so. <laughs> um. So, Armstead on a contract extension. Interesting choice there. He has Fournette, so, like, you want to partner them together, I guess. But I don't know if Armstead is worthy of the contract extension there. So, especially not 24 bucks worth a contract extension. Yeah, um, and, it, like, what does that win him, right? It, we all don't – I don't think Armstead's going to do anything special this season but he might prove just enough to earn himself a tag next year. Then you got to spend another $25 on a tag. All of a sudden you spent $45 on Reichwell Armstead. Like, I don't think you're winning that game. Meanwhile, I think I would have put that on Allen Robinson so he wouldn't have had to worry about that tag next year. Yep. Yeah, either Allen Robinson or A.J. Green, one of those two. Yeah. Um, Stephon Tuitt, love him. Tyler Higby. 
franchise tag. That's a that might be a little aggressive for a tight end on a franchise tag that hasn't quite proven himself yet. But I mean, you got to buy those guys before they hit. So if you believe in it, do it. Can't can't blame you for that. Um, but yeah, I think there's I think there's years sitting here that should have. John Brown for two years, like, you have seven available. Why not more? You have Henry Ruggs on four. Why not more? If they hit and they're worth it, then, yeah. One thing about just... Brown is I think he might have transitioned tag Brown before the Diggs trade. So that's always the toughest thing, how RFA happens before, like, stuff, other stuff happens because you, you transition type Brown thinking you're getting the Brown of last year and then he's like oh crap now Diggs is there so maybe the two is kind of a reaction to that yeah possibly um, I just, I, I, maybe I'm alone in it but I think John Brown is good enough to warrant that anyways and I was just looking it up he runs out of his contract exactly when that contract runs up after 2021 so he could sense. he could definitely have more success too, not having to go up against the number one corner. Um, I think his his route tree is a little limited based on his speed. He's kind of more of a burner than anything else. So obviously he needs his quarterback to have better accuracy. But yeah. not having that attention as the number one can often help a guy too. Um, it, he may not get the target share that would warrant a wide receiver one, but he could be a solid, you know, overall wide receiver 20 and, you know, a, a middle tier wide receiver two, basically, um, which would definitely help. Um, but yeah, I mean, you invest the tag. I, I just think it's, it's best to back that up with longer contract um, years. Yeah. It, it seems like, just kind of looking through all, all of his contracts, the longest contract he has out there is DJ Chark, who he did a super tag on. He gave him five. Like, he doesn't have anything longer than that. So it just kind of seems like he's not invested in a lot of his guys, and he is uh, he's fine with roster turnover. Yeah. yeah DJ Chark? Yeah. It helps explain the two or four year deal too. Um. <laughs> oh, Matt <yeah>. is not pleased. <laughs> <laughs> this QBs are. I give him. He got burned by that Arcega Whiteside contract. He got cold feet. I don't know. But real quick, is is Shark worth working uh, super tag? Like, I didn't think Shark was that good. And then people started super tagging him. And I was like, maybe his opportunity's good. I, I think it. it's I think it's because he'd already used the franchise tag on Higby. He'd already used the transition tag on Brown. Like, the only tag he had left was Super. I mean, you don't have to, like, use all your tags. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I think that was the thinking here. Um, in, so we, in so, well, I mean, in some fantasy circles, Shark is – pretty highly rated. Um, you know, a lot of people do love him. A lot of people are just kind of may on him. But I think we all agree that Jacksonville is going to have to pass. They're not good. 
So opportunity is going to be there and probably for more than 2020. Um, I, I don't think they'll be good for a few years, um, which means passing is definitely going to um, be something they need to do. But then he's also got D.D. Westbrook, too, that he's got, you know, two years tied up in. So it's like you're probably never starting both of them. So when you already have Chark, Westbrook probably only really gives you value if Chark's not playing. Yeah, unless Gardner Minshew just blows up. Yeah, but but Minshew's going to have to throw for at least at least four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns in order for him to be able to sustain both of those running backs plus Fournette, who he also has on his team. Yeah. Like he's just he's investing a lot in a team that's not very good. We're going to see a, a Blake Bortles here out of Gardner Minshew. Bold prediction. <laughs> Didn't Bortles put up like 4,200 yards? Yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah, he was uh, ranked – I think he was ranked like 46th on the NFL 100 by players one year. It was absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Just slinging – I'd love to be in that offense. Like knowing that – like from a talent perspective, Bortles is not that good, but like – it's like a Winston situation. Like, I just go out there and, like, have some fun and sling the ball around and, like, put up some good stats, like, every QB stream. Yep. And that was the year with uh, Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee or something? Marquise Lee, yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin Tom? What was the tight end's name? Justin, Julian Thomas? Was that Julian Thomas' last yeah. few years? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was a fun one. <laughs> he had one good year, too. <laughs> anyway. He had a few with Denver, I know. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah, you are a Denver fan. Was it? I thought it was one. Maybe you had two or three, maybe. He had like two or three, yeah. Everybody has a good year of Peyton Manning, though, so it doesn't count. That's true. All right, I think that's the last one. Yeah, I think that's it, guys. Uh, another good episode. Thanks again, Blake, for joining. Matt, as Ooh. always, thank you for uh, your work as well and helping um, to run and produce the podcast for us. Um, I think next time we're going to move into some season previews. Um, so we will start with a new guest, um, that confirmed today with me. Um, I will let you all wait to find out who that is. So until that episode, uh, that is the end of the podcast with Blake. Thanks. Thank you. It was great. <laughs>